is the Football Supporters Federation Club Podcast of the Year 2017. Welcome to the Amber Nectar Podcast. Welcome along to the final Amber Nectar podcast of this season, uh, a season that is over, mercifully, and it's good to have you along, whether you're watching us live on Periscope or whether you're watching us later on on our YouTube page. Of course, you can get the audio-only version uh, of the podcast via SoundCloud as well. We finished the season in the Championship 13th with no win in the last five games, although two draws to end with. Now, one of you two smug bastards, Les and Andy, actually predicted 13th for the end of this season. Well, I was about to say, fortunately, I can't remember which one of you it is, but you, you are claiming credit for it very quickly. Um, predicting 13th for a side that spent... Um, most of the second half of the season um, somewhere between 14th and 8th uh, perhaps isn't the um, isn't the, the, the most telling uh, prediction you've ever made in your life and nobody's going to ask you to uh, well I got some stick for it at the time you did from, from, both, you, Matt. F- from us all is that recall? the night 15 um so nobody's going to be asking you to predict our lottery numbers soon but given that you did get it right you can start what made you think 13th just that there was going to come a point where the run came to an end and when it became mathematically impossible I thought there'd be a little bit of a drop in form and that's roughly how it happened even even if not exactly and I'm, I'm still fairly happy with it um you know earlier in the season it, it was bum clenching league one contemplating stuff wasn't it so and I, and I really couldn't see a way out um I remember you used the term earlier on in the season about a return to the mean and and I guess it's just gone the other way hasn't it I thought City would return to the mean after the good spell but equally after a dreadful opening to the season we probably return to the mean you know with a, a an average side with a couple of excellent you know championship team of the year contenders in it that were plundering goals and assists but I'm, I'm fairly happy with 13th given what felt like a possibility earlier in the season and I'm also pleased with the way the season ended despite not winning any of the last five games well just the last game specifically I we, we discussed when Jim McVie was here how accommodating City are when a team comes here mm. needing something and it doesn't really matter to City um, and we could have done that and we could have capitulated to Bristol City but actually I thought creditably I thought City were the better team mm. I know mm. I know Bristol City fashioned a couple of chances you know they comically hit the bar um, <laughs> when it must have been easier to score but you know, I, I thought City had chances to win that and, and played some smart football and I was also impressed by some of the players. I thought I thought George Long suddenly looks hmm. commanding um, you know, commanding in he looked confident and he, and he pulled off some absolutely spectacular saves during during that game. So I was really impressed with him. Mackenzie's had a bit of a rough time now and then, but he got deployed as a full back, which is his natural position. And he looked quite confident and assured. And this wasn't a game between two teams with nothing to play for. Bristol City were, were going for it. So that's that's probably a pretty good measure of, you know, decent teams we're going to come up against next year. And we did all right, didn't we? I, I know that possibly a couple of hundred quid is the only difference between 12th and 13th. But would either of you not at least have hoped that we might have actually finished in the top half? And I, and I get that somebody's just said on Periscope, and quite rightly, it's a very, very salient point, that had Brentford not been awarded three points for the game against Bolton that never happened, then we would have finished top half. Or at least we, we would have had a better chance of finishing top half because there was no guarantee they would have won that game had it been played. But even so... And I know it's only one place, and like I say, financially, probably a negligible amount between 12th and the 13th in terms of the prize money, but 
finishing top half would have would have looked ever so slightly better. It would, um, but considering where I thought City were going to finish this season, the difference between twelfth and thirteenth is is splitting hairs a little bit. I, I thought we were going to get relegated for long parts of the first half of the season and it was only really when we pulled 8 and then 11 points clear I think in the first couple of weeks of January that I started to think that we were going to do it even when we were powering away in late autumn early winter I still thought we were in a lot of trouble and we finished 22 points clear of relegation so it's not as though we we've not had an anxious moment have we for about three months mm-hmm. and there was a point earlier this season where if someone had said you're in a relegation zone but you're still going to have a chance of staying up on the final day I might have taken that it, that's how grim the situation was and, I, and I'm really not sure that had we have finished one place higher and therefore in, in the top half I would have felt the need to start windmilling my compact todger with joy, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I can't say it matters that much to me, Matt. Anyway, um, did the game have a competitive edge because Bristol yeah. City had something to play for? It was interesting, but, but the competitive edge was dependent on City turning up you knew Bristol City were going to because they needed it mm. the fact that City showed up and made a really good game of it and played some nice football I think the, the players deserve a good splash of credit for that because I think they've let themselves down a couple of times uh, in the in the final weeks of the season um, I get that we got a good draw at Swansea in the end but we were pretty um, pretty rancid for a lot of that game and we were awful for the entire Sheffield United game so it was good to see a performance it's nice to it means little doesn't it but it's nice to end the season your last memory of City is a good performance it's a pity they couldn't get the win but I'm not I think Bristol would probably argue that they were worth a point at least so I'm, I'm just pleased I'm pleased we're putting a performance and that the, the whole thing didn't fizzle out because I read I can't remember what it was I read it now but City prior to well including then if you incorporate um, Sunday's game, City have only won once out of the last 15 times on the last day of the season. So we I was about to ask that question. Mm, when we it, really are. When was that? Because I've been trying to work we it beat out. Rotherham 5-1. Um, well, this is the last regular game of the season. Don't count yeah. playoffs and cup finals and the, the clearly. Season, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, was, we beat Rotherham 5-1. Was it 2013? Maybe something like that. But that was the only time stretching all the way back to what the early. Everyone I thought of, I remember drawing nil nil at Watford in 06. I remember losing um, to um, Plymouth in 07, which was the um, the day we all met in Avenues afterwards. One that Les will remember only too well. Hmm. Um, I mean, 2008, obviously the last regular game we lost at Ipswich. 2009, we'll talk about that later. 2010, relegated from the Premier League. Um, who did we lose to on the? It was or was it a goalless draw with Liverpool on the last day? I think. Anyway, but the point is, is that I couldn't remember us winning a, a regular game on the the last day of the season I suppose I suppose it gets to the point where we've not actually I mean we've had several promotions and apart from the couple in the playoffs in the last sort of 15-20 years most of those promotions have been done with more than a game to go so a lot of the occasion there hasn't been anything for us to play for and that can create a different dynamic amongst the side even if it's not intentional yeah we'll look at 2004-2005 where we appeared to lose the last eight games 4-0 I know that didn't happen but that's what it felt like it's like we we secured promotion and then and then just didn't bother turning up we weren't even on the beach yeah I don't know where we were I think we were like ketamined in a darkened room at Laser Quest anyway all darkened room there anyway um, but, but you know lot, lots to like on, on uh, Sunday um, I loved Lehigh's messy esque 
you know, bombing <laughs> forward. Um, I think Jackson Irvine hasn't been good for the last quarter of the season, but he had a, you know, took his took his goal well, but he also had a bit of an all-action display. Um, Stewart, we've not seen a great deal of recently. He had quietly had an excellent game. So there were some fairly decent signs for next year, you know, you... And all, and also we've got to mention what I thought was one of the moments of the season was uh, <laughs> Bristol City player squared up to Grzycki. Grzycki turned away as if he was going to walk away and then turned back round and flicked the Bristol <laughs> City player's ear. And you, was, was that referee about 12 years old? Because he was like the most indecisive man ever, wasn't yeah. he? Well, I was going to say... We'll get to that. Uh, well, I was, gonna, I was about to bring it up next, because he had an interesting day, didn't he? I mean, he disallowed yeah. a goal that probably should have been allowed, and then allowed a goal that probably should have been disallowed. But when he when he flicked his ear, he just saw... The ref looks at him and thought, what can I do? I'm not going to book him or send him off for that. But I need to sort of give him a stern look. He was, he was hilarious. And frankly, that to me is probably Guzicki's last contribution in the city shirt. And it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. I forget... I f- I'll forgive everything, you know. I'll forgive the drinking Turkish tea on on whatever whatever souk he was in. But when talking was of time, Trabs on Spore or whatever. Talking of Grzycki and Campbell, for that matter, both were giving their opportunity to wave to the crowd as individuals rather than part of a team on the on the final day of the season. Those were clearly deliberate substitutions by Nigel Adkins to offer them that opportunity, mm. were they not? I mean, they can't possibly have been tactical substitutions on the last day, surely? Um, no, probably not. He's... I, I quite liked it in one respect because although City were playing well, it was a it was a dead rubber, and you got the feeling that particularly Campbell did appreciate the opportunity to say he had, he had a little wave. Um, do you notice Campbell was wearing gloves in May, by the way? Oh, one, one last time, I quite like the fact that he. Uh, Maybe he's got dermatitis. Maybe so. Um, I like. I wondered if Bowen was going to um, also be withdrawn early for his own little um, standing ovation, but. Um, I quite liked it. It's, it's 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 all harmless enough, isn't it? Yeah. Let's talk, should we talk about the referee and his ludicrous decision? It was like a sapling in a tornado, wasn't he? Just bending to whoever was anywhere last near him. It was. It's pretty clear that he never saw the handball. Mm. It's also pretty clear that the linesman didn't. But both were looking at each other to make a decision. Yeah. And I'll genuinely say this: that if City's players hadn't have unanim- been unanimous in their rage mm. and fury, mm. he wouldn't have turned that over. And no it was chance. such a clear handball. I thought so. Yeah. You know, you, not not just a oh, it struck its hand, but it. Was was like uh, well I'm bringing the ball down <laughs> so that I can shoot from it um, yeah. it, it was a, a ridiculous decision that too I mean I, I'm never going to say something's a case for VAR because I frigging hate VAR mm. um, but, but that was some pretty damned inept refereeing is that not the argument for VAR though when you get something that is so clearly incorrect as opposed to ones that are based on opinion, but this was based on, presumably, you were saying this one's based on a matter of fact, and therefore if it's so clearly incorrect, surely that's a, a, an argument for VAR, even if VAR's not, um, uh, impact is, is is deadened slightly by only having them on, on questions the, of fact rather than opinion. The problem with VAR is it creates incorrect decisions that didn't exist previously. Mm. With this one, there was very little argument to, to sort of think he benefited from that handball, and it looked deliberate. Yeah. The only problem is with VAR. Every time the ball strikes a player's hand, it looks deliberate when you're looking at looking at it at like 
one plank time <laughs> per, per second when, you, when you're doing it in super slow-mo. Suddenly, because the thing is, when you're watching it, you think in real time and you think the player's thinking in real time, but they're not. They're, their brain activity is as slow as as the, the, the image you see in front of it. And that's where I think VAR's crap. No, I just thought this was just... He, I, I don't know whether he was an inexperienced referee. I didn't really pay attention to his name, but he come across as an inexperienced mm. one who was very swayable yeah. um, if you were angry a lot. And and you know their goal that got allowed. I don't really see how that wasn't offside. I don't think he touched it. I, I think he got both of them right, which suggests that we didn't need VAR. What? It was definitely. Well, hand- what do you mean he got it, both right in the end? In the end, oh, yeah, because okay. it was handball and the the offside. I mean, the linesman put his flag up straight away, but I don't think the play he flagged for offside had touched it. It may be involved, but that's that's a different question. Did he not going off his thigh? No, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it did. I've seen it again, and I can't see the offside, and I think the ball travelled sideways anyway. So. Should we have a... Should it we never have a, felt like offside we've to got, me. We've got 30 people watching on Periscope. Take away the, um, the, 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 the grot bots that we've got on there. Should we, get, should we have a vote? Should the Bristol City equaliser have been allowed? That's the vote on Periscope for our numerous people uh, watching, because these two, for one, seem to be um, disagreeing on it. Um, just the, the timing of Bristol City's equaliser was still typical City, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but it, it long since stopped mattering there. They knew that um, everything had gone away from them that day with results elsewhere, so... And it was about a fair reflection on the game anyway. They, they did have some very good chances during the game, but still let down DDO. Um, he, he managed to miss an open goal um, from one yard, which is quite careless, but he also chipped over another really good chance. So I thought they had good opportunities to, to, to get something from the game, even if I thought we were a bit better in open play. What does a poll say? Uh, so far, eight say it shouldn't have been allowed and zero say it should. So you're in the something of a minority at the moment. I've well, um, said that, I've seen who some of them are, so I'm not sure how much <laughs> their opinion that you would uh, um, take. There's at least one person on there who you always say, yes, but he's always wrong. Snadge Hawkins. <laughs> Nigel Atkins was all right with the decision, so they got me and Big Nigel together. I want, one all probably felt about right, didn't it? Yeah, it did. On the balance of play. It's a good game, though. Yeah, it was. I, 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 I was thinking. To, this, to be entertaining on the last drab. day of the season when you've got one side who've got nothing to play for and another side whose chance of the playoffs is extremely remote, and they would have heard with 20 minutes to go that Derby had gone 3 1 up and that Middlesbrough had been winning since the, the since the fifth minute. I did not have been for the Peter Skipper stuff, I'd have been tempted to stay in the pub, um, but ultimately I was glad I didn't. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, City have done well over the um, the, the, the horrible um, death of uh, Peter Skipper, haven't they? Both in terms of how they reacted when it first was um, revealed, first announced, and um, we uh, we saw their involvement um, at his funeral on Thursday last week, and then the first op- the first home game since his passing to um, to to really pay tribute to to, to as I, as we said last week, the first. Um, death of a City player which we've for a long time that we've regarded as one of our own literally one of our own because he was hull through and through yeah it's, it's easy to say the club probably should get this stuff right but they did and this is a club that gets a lot of stuff wrong so it, it all felt pretty well judged it wasn't, it wasn't excessive or over the top it just felt appropriate to have a lot of ex-City players there in acknowledgement of, of Skipper and I think it I think I wish I knew who, who had been there yeah 
Did they not announce anybody? Well, they might have done. It could have been that I just got in too late for that. Um, but the thing is, because he was, because he was. I mean, it's not guaranteed that it, they were all going to be uh, teammates of his from the 1980s. Because he worked in hospitality for years, so he'd become <clears> close to people like Justin Whittle, for example, yeah. amongst others who'd been uh, working at, uh, in the hospitality at the club for a long time. The Duodeno stuff, somebody's just asked. I was about to ask that, that question as well. Well, I've said we've got mixed bothered. opinions we've, on we've, this. We've done it before without us playing Bristol City. And, you know... Claiming that it's done every week, though, in front of the Bristol City no, fans. it's not done every week, but it but it has been done before. And a big deal. You know, ten years have passed. If, if Bristol City fans... You know, can't just take a little bit of ribbon. And it, it's, it's, not, it's not offensive, is it? You know, we're not... We're not going all Nigel Farage or anything. There's no dogs' whistles being blown. Um, no, I'm, I was okay with that. I, I can't be bothered. I'm assuming when they talk about do a Dino, it is means it, putting a putting a volley from the edge of the box, a box, as opposed to anything else that Dino might have done. The, no, as, yeah, as, as opposed to the normal penalty stuff. But we we have done it before. I just, I really, I really don't care. It's it's not a big deal to to put that on a par with Doncaster having young Bints parading the third division trophy in front of us no I, I just I, I don't think it's comparable I, I, I get the impression just from Andy's half smiling silence that you did disapprove I didn't see it I went down for a panel well you've, you've heard about what's happened I've heard though. about it it's half time entertainment I, 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 I which apparently it. we're extremely good at well for the kids only, uh, kids who won't remember what Dino did 11 years yeah. ago because they're kids but yeah go on only if you're stupid enough to work for the EFL can you, <laughs> can you really think that it's either good or matters so no did, I had, I had did a did Bristol City fans get remotely irritated by it well there was no civil unrest was there was no a I, I don't get the feeling I mean they were singing we pay your benefits so quite frankly screw what they think mm. yeah it's kind of that as well yeah <laughs> they don't really get the uh, the Gratitude they show that. But the mascots do have an excellent reputation. There's loads of mascots on Saturday. There was a, there wasn't sexual there a... harassment. <laughs> the panda. Yeah, there was a panda, what was wasn't it, there? What was the Monaki panda doing there? Was, was, it, it, was it WWF? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not the sexual harassment panda. <laughs> Hasn't there been a panda on the city kit before? WWF week or something yeah, like that? In Sunderland, yeah. yeah, you see, Les would it's have known straight away. Bizarre, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But the mascots that's have an excellent people. reputation. Our concourses are very good as well. Yeah. Well, concourses are continually into, engaging nice. people. <laughs> and there are incredibly grown ups who've gone hug uh, a man in a. Tom Darvell's just said on Periscope that uh, next season we should go to the city ground and recreate, recreate Paul McShane's Hand of God goal in front of the Forest fans. That'd be awesome. We'd have to have very long ginger hair with an Alice band. Can oh, you arrange for that, Andy? I'll work on it. Yeah, excellent. All right, so season's over. Where does Nigel Adkins stand in your estimation overall? Now that the season's over, rehabilitated, rehabilitated championship manager. I think he could get another gig in this division if he decides that this isn't the club for him. Yeah, I would. I would concur with that completely. Okay, and when we look back at sort of the pre-Christmas period when it wasn't going well, on reflection, because we have been very critical of him in the early part of the season. On reflection, were we overcritical given what we know he had to work <clears> with and what? he's been able to achieve having been given the time and the tools to well not the tools but certainly the time to do so no because I think we always said that however much he irritated us or however frustrated we were with some of the things he did he was still working with nothing and I don't think I don't think I criticised him for his decisions and his selections I just criticised him for his Ned Flanderliness <laughs> but do you think that back then anybody 
would have, anybody, irrespective of their um, charming personality, lack of Ned Flanderliness, or whatever you called it, um, and great reputation, who'd been flawless in their managerial career so far, would have still had the same issues that Nigel Adkins had and wouldn't have been able to get any more out of the players that, that Adkins did. And, and ultimately, he did find a formula because he signed next to no new players. Mm-hmm. Um, and from those same players, we went from being appalling relegation certainties to f- fleeting playoff challengers with the same bunch. And, and as you said, 22 points points off relegation that that is probably the thing that speaks the most about him doesn't it and it's also worth considering who if you look at the 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 bracket of managers that City are capable of attracting who would actually have done better who would have got us more than 22 points clear of of safety who would have got us higher than 13 he would have have had no I don't think they would and and, and also you sort of think (laughs) who would have come it would have to have been Mm. somebody who needed to rehabilitate the reputation even more than Nigel Adkins or somebody who was skint you're onto Ian Huntley territory at that point (laughs) (laughs) wallpaper end of season outrage um I'm trying to think, desperately trying to get this back to something approaching football. Uh, I know you don't want me to do that, but I quite fancied Maxine Kerr a little bit. Uh, no, uh, no, 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 stop now. Which I'm, I'm telling you to stop. I'm telling you to stop. Was there any team in the championship that had the same sort of lack of support from its ownership? Than City. I mean, is there any team in roughly an equivalent position? Even the ones who finished well below us. Bolton. And Bolton's Bolton's issues, although they've been skint for a long time, Bolton's issues kind of came to the fore much towards the end of the season. By which time they were already going down. True, but I think they've they've not um, they've not been a well-run club. They've not been a club that's had any uh, signings in the same way that we've not for for, for for quite a while. So you look at you look at the basket case that they became under Phil Parkinson he's probably done about as good a job as he could do well he stayed very 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 quiet about oh. the, the, the ownership issues well, just like our managers have always done about the Allens you can always read between the lines with our owners can't you uh, sorry with, with our uh, managers and everybody when they're talking about the Allens they either don't talk about the Allens which tells its own story or the clues are never difficult to discern but as Radkins if I was him I might think I might I might cast my gaze a little higher than City I know cast your gaze well it's it's, it's a disloyal thing to well if I was him I would I would think that why should he be loyal to City do you think the Ehab's loyal to him well, he hadn't given him a contract. They've only just offered him a contract, so where's, where's the loyalty the, the, for City to him? There will be some supporters, putting another view here, who will say that Adkins should stick around longer because he hung around like a bad smell before the job was even his. My, I think that particular act of unpleasantness is largely a turn for in my view. It happened, I didn't like it, but I do think that Adkins has got a little something going this season that, that's made me... Warm to him a little bit. I oh think. yeah, yeah, without doubt. And, and so it would be fitting if he had drove, drove him away, wouldn't it? Does he still irritate you as a personality, or do you think that's, a, or from your point of view, as somebody who's very easily irritated by people, as we all know? Yeah. Do you do you think that um, do, do, do you find something more endearing about his personality now, or is it is it, is it still something that that grates you, or is it because he's done so well that you find it easier to deal with? Perhaps all of the above. Because um, Phil Brown was a gregarious character, but he did irritate some people, even when things were going incredibly well. The one thing I will say is, 
I don't have to like a Hull City manager to to respect them. I liked. I didn't, you didn't you know, like I, Peter Taylor. I didn't like Peter Taylor, but I respected the man, and I respected his achievements. Um, so I may, maybe I put I put I put him in. No, I'm not going to put him in the Peter Taylor bracket. He hasn't gotten us promoted us twice and created a platform for playing in the Premier League. But that that sense of I've gotten to the point where I'll let the peccadillos go and, and Phil Brown was exactly the same yeah we'll 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 laugh off the the pink sweatshirts and the brown shoes and stuff because you know you know he, he has uh, you know Atkins is by no means perfect I don't, I don't think the certain players I can say I don't think he's used those very well and I think you're right that you have to look at the records of those two other managers you mentioned plus both of those managers went on to other jobs but have always said up to this point that Hull City was the highlight of their career both in terms of how much they enjoyed themselves and also their achievements on the pitch and you do get the feeling there is a genuine fondness by Adkins for the fans I don't, I don't there's one for the for the Alums well um, the, the chant the second half in the North Stand was uh, Adkins, Adkins in Alam out mm. and it'll be the other way around won't it so City fans are chanting his name and the, so there's, there is a relationship there and he might annoy us and we might want to sound all smug and clever and cynical about it but to be fair I've, I've quite warmed to the guy and a lot of that he's down to the the fact that I enjoyed the football and I'm delighted with the season is it because you're had. vegetarian now and you like he's talking about blueberries for god's sake don't tell people I'm vegetarian will you I'll, uh, I'll lose my reputation but, you know, back, in, back in August at Rotherham people were singing Nigel Adkins is having a party bring your scrabble and your shandy yeah but we thought get sat the next day didn't we so it was alright whereas now it's probably bring your avocados <laughs> <laughs> you still need to, work on, you need to work on the rest of that song ok player of the season Andy Oh, you put me in the spot there. I think it's got to be Jared Bowen. I think he's got the ability to. Do you think he'll get it? Yeah. My guess is he probably will. I can't. He's only really up against Grzycki, I think, who, in terms of players who have illuminated the team consistently throughout the entire season. You could you could fashion an argument for Campbell, who I think Henriksen. Mm, no, lesser Henriksen, I think. Marshall. Mm, Marshall, nah. Marshall, as he's, Marshall, Marshall was very good at the start of the season when we really needed him to be, but as as, that, as he's had less to do, hasn't done it quite as consistently well. I could, I could maybe argue Campbell. I totally love Lehigh, and that's perhaps who I would go for. But I think Rich Gardam alluded to this: Bowen for doing it two seasons running. Mm. That isn't something. It's a big deal, that, that yeah, it really is, and it's perhaps something that. You know, hasn't hasn't been uh, stated enough. So yeah, yeah, I, I think it's hard to argue against Bowen, even if it is the, you know, the the sponsors at games choice where they always go for the clear roof scored. Yeah. Suge- two you- separate suggestions for Reese Burke have just come up. I think the first half of the season he had would probably I exclude him from that. Yes, I agree on that. Well, um, it's come up on Periscope. So I think I think it is vital to consider that Bowen has done it two seasons in a row because English football is chock full of players who have a great season and that's it and either they can't hit the heights or they're found out or something happens whereby that one season is the height of the career in their early 20s but Bowen's got better and better and better and he's added things to his game well, he we really can see has. it every week that free kick he took that was so close so he's clearly yeah. been working on free kicks as well which can't be easy on a training ground with Guzicki on he's it he's got a good he seems like a good team player as well there was he did a brilliant interview on Sky Sports over did the he? weekend absolutely brilliant interview where he came out with that wonderful line I've seen three or four teams come and go <laughs> which is a, a lovely pointed comment towards yeah. the way that the club um, is run he, was, he had the Sky Sports reporter sat in the, the 
the back of his car and they were driving to training together um, and yeah I mean, and, and he's right when he says that he, he does seem a, a very sort of um, well adjusted uh, young young lad who, who who's not that young anymore with two great seasons yeah. behind him and um, something I liked on Saturday was um, he was playing on, in front of McKenzie on the right and McKenzie nipped in with a smart little interception and Bowen and I appreciate that they're a similar kind of age but one's career was very much different to the others at the moment and Bowen made a real um, notable point of turning round and you know G and up McKenzie and yeah thumbs up well done lad you could you could see him do it I thought yeah here's a guy who in what is almost certainly the last game for City <coughs> they'll probably in the future only regard as a stepping stone to greatness still invested in the team that he's a part of at the time and mm. I was impressed by that mm. I, I really did think that was the hallmark of a player who's probably going to have a good career because he's going to want to keep on doing good things like that in the game. If I mean he is going to go, let's be honest. Where would you what, give an example of a club or two in the Premier League that you think would really, really suit him? Leicester. I was going to say the I same. Think I think that's ideal for him because they're not so good. Well, they're not so chock full of. Um, I've said that twice now, haven't I? They're not so laden with their top top quality stars that he will never get a game. They're not going to be scrabbling around at the bottom, whereby they're only going to want to play four five one every week. It strikes me as the perfect kind of club and the way they play. You can imagine Bowen being the sort of the secondary wide attacker that's there to support Jamie Vardy because they play they play this really because Vardy's so quick and so yeah. lethal. They play this counter attacking game. Um, you can imagine him also being somebody who Brendan Rodgers will want to improve because Brendan Rodgers does that with young players. He, he really does improve them um, where they they already come in with a reasonable level of talent. I mean, he turned Jordan Henderson into a hugely overpaid midfielder into an extremely <laughs> good holding player for Liverpool, even though a lot of Liverpool fans and a lot of England fans certainly don't appreciate him. Yeah, and I want Bowen to have a really good career as well. Sometimes when a player leaves City, I can't lose any interest in what they're up to. It's the same as Robertson, isn't it? You want him to do really well, even though you hate the club he now represents. Yeah, I mean, I and, sure Mag- and Maguire as well. Yeah. Like like any normal person, I hate Liverpool. Um, but but you love Andy Robertson. Yeah, I do. And you can't hate, there's nothing to hate about Leicester, is there? Really? Even though you, even though we sing it, we hate Nottingham. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> only because that it's just scammed. It's scammed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> He's um, going to have a belting career, and what 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 I hope is that I, I can't imagine he'll ever be quite good enough for international football. Do you think? Well, it sorry, they seem getting close. Do you think it's possible, Les, that Marco Silva's kept tabs on Bolton uh, on Bowen as well? Mm. It's possible. At uh, Everton. But I'd, I'd rather him not not see him swallowed up by a club. But Everton are no different to Leicester at the moment. I think they are though. I think I think I think <laughs> Everton are one of those clubs that are weighed down by the fact that they were they were once quite trophy winny, yeah. and I know that sounds odd talking about Leicester as a comparator when they won the Premier League within the last couple of years. Leicester haven't won a tr- uh, Everton haven't won a trophy since 1995. But it but it weighs on them though, doesn't it? Because they yeah. were a really good team in the 80s. Um, Two league titles, one FA Cup, one European Cup winners' cup. And I just, uh, but I just, I just think that does it. It, we- it weighs heavily on them more than the Premier League did on Blackburn, and more yeah. than it's likely to on Leicester. I think he would be better off at Leicester, if presuming they're interested, <laughs> than, than ever. I can I throw what, what, in? Can I throw in Wolves as well? He's not yeah. Bowinho. <laughs> do you think? He, what do you genuinely think that Wolves wouldn't sign him just because he's he's not he's not of the correct n- nationality? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Wolves would be a good fit because they don't look like a team that's going to have a, an issue staying up next season where he could and they've got European football as um, as True. indeed of Everton Leicester aren't going to get it by the look of it I don't think so no. I think you'd, you'd bang on Les with what you say about Everton they, they, they have a different mindset to Leicester fans and I think 
why that matters is because um, if they signed Jared Bowen, a young player who they would heard an awful lot about from the Championship, from little old Hull City, they're going to be a little bit sniffy about that in mm. a way that perhaps Leicester fans wouldn't yeah, I be. Agree with that. And because Everton fans' aspirations, rightly or wrongly, because their aspirations and their hopes for the club are, are a bit different to Leicester's, they're also going to have a lot less patience. And Bowen, for all that he's excelled over two seasons in the Championship, he's going to he may not fit immediately into the Premier League, and he's going to need to be at a club where that's okay. And I think Everton, mm-hmm. it will be less okay than it would be at Leicester. Or as you, right. you're actually right, Matt. I'd not really thought of Wolves, but that's that. That would be a really good fit too. Let's goal of the season. Have you thought of one as well? No, I haven't. Although I think Todd Kane had a couple of entries. Well, Todd, I mean, Todd Kane's fluke, which mean. is what it was at West Brom. That's the reason it can't be goal of the season, presumably because it was a because it was a fluke. Hmm. Any comments on Periscope? Hull City's goal of the season. There was a lovely team goal at Rotherham yes, back in August, which I think was scored by Campbell at the far post. Um, we'd gone one nil down. And I, I can't remember whether it was the equaliser because Evandro scored that night as well, and I can't remember whether that was the equaliser or the one that put us two on up at, um, at half time. Was good at uh, Rotherham as well. Irvine. Irvine's. That was the second half goal that eventually won us um, won us the match. Irvine's on Saturday was beautiful. It really was. I, I was, wasn't it? I was absolutely in line with the ball's trajectory towards the goal. It was one of the worst. But you, you knew it was in as soon as it hit it. You knew the keeper wouldn't get it. You could have a good old jump around as soon beautiful. as he hit it. Yeah, hit with the laces, left foot, left foot on the volley. Evandro at Villa has come up yeah it was yeah, good was that good. was very 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 good <laughs> somebody suggested John Bostock versus Swansea <laughs> <laughs> uh, right okay so we're talking that's, that's, um, that's eight seasons ago I think yes thank you for that that's helped it was a great goal although I think his uh, free kick at Leeds United might have been even better but I don't know uh, right okay so that's um, that's this season that's this season talked about let's talk about ten years ago um, on the Amber Nectar podcast and final two games of the season this is where we were City had two games to go and had just for the first time dropped into the bottom three after a home defeat a really wretched horrible home defeat um, to Stoke City has there ever been a home defeat that any club has ever had at home to Stoke that hasn't been wretched do you think uh, do you think anyone's ever regarded it as a as a, as a jolly good show or a plucky battling defeat that no. was non-wretched or just always pulling shit but we went to Bolton at least knowing that there was an opportunity against Bolton Wanderers they'd beaten us at home in a game that we completely dominated but they were bottom half of the table and it felt like even though there was a game to follow that it felt like now or never for City to stay up didn't it because we had Manchester United who were about to be mm. pr- crowned Premier League champions and had just reached the European Cup final uh, on the final day and that, that's a bit like um, the Man City-Brighton game that's coming up this weekend um, were Brighton still in relegation danger they would have had to sort it out um, in their, their, um, their previous couple of games um, so we went to Bolton and one thing that I find notable about this because of course this ultimately ended up as the game that kept us up was just how many of the the old guard that had got us up the previous season were now starting games again Mile was playing Ricketts was playing Turner was playing Dawson was playing uh, Fagan was playing Barmby was playing Garcia was playing seven out of the starting eleven were in that squad at Wembley uh, the previous summer almost a year to the day by this stage and there were still people like Matt Duke Dean Marnie Nathan Doyle Brian Hughes all on the bench plus Liam Cooper had come through the ranks Mm. so it was all these new signings had been made there were a few on the pitch Kevin Kilban had been reliable Giovanni was there uh, Manucho was on the pitch as well mm. um, and George Boateng so we had you know, there was still a smattering of new signings but it did feel 
sort of, um, uh, I don't know, symbolic, didn't it, that a lot of these new signings had sort of fallen by the wayside slightly, if not in terms of their their status at the club, just in terms of their status in the team. Yeah, maybe it was a bit back to basics from from City because it was it was now or never, and it started to feel never because you knew that Newcastle had what is probably the the, the nicest game you can have in the Premier League when you need something, which is home to home to a Fulham side with nothing much to to go at. So I think we had to get something from that game. And remember the feeling at halftime when we were losing? It was um, it was unspeakable, wasn't it? And City hadn't played badly, but. Mm. We'd also not played badly in quite a few games around that time and got nothing whatsoever to show to show for it. And we were down, weren't we? We were up at, I mean, at half time. time Steinson we had scored for Bolton. It, it felt like we were. It felt like we were going down, and and it felt like because we'd started the season so amazingly and and garnered such huge global attention, Les. It was. It would have been an, an even more rotten way to go down than a, than just being like Derby or Sunderland in in the recent past to two thousand nine and just being shit all season. Mm, yeah, absolutely would have been. Um, but then Craig Fagan turned up with a with a lovely, a beautifully taken goal. With a slight bit of defensive um, howler involved. Danny Shitu again, oddly enough, living up to his surname. But Fagan still had to put it away, and he well, did. I like to think that Manucci perhaps. Um, Maybe concussed Shitu earlier in the game because <laughs> remember Manucho and Shitu had a bit of a collision. I think they sound like members of the number one ladies detective agency, don't they, Manucho <laughs> and Shitu? <laughs> However, that's just me. Um, but if you if you wanted one player running after Danny Shitu with wearing a kind of comedy headband, you'd want it to be Craig Fager, wouldn't you? He was just like an irritating, swarming little gnat. <laughs> That was Did you say that to him on Saturday? Indeed, which is, is going <laughs> to harangue a defender into mistake, and that exa- that's exactly what it did. And it's it was beautiful to actually see us get a, get a shot past uh, UC Escalante. Oh God, yeah, yeah. once that season, <laughs> season wasn't it? And um, it came after only forty seven minutes. We're two minutes into mm. the second half. We've started it incredibly, albeit reliant at least on a partial defensive mistake. But we and we actually dominated the rest of the game but we couldn't bloody win it no, and we City, really needed to City win it City should have won that I mean Bambi at the post didn't he um, yes City seemed the more likely to have scored after that it just we played well we were, I, thought, I thought we were we were back on it that day and whether or not it's a coincidence with the the team that you identified Matt that we played the type of team that we played um, should I say or not I don't know maybe we've just had one more performance in us that season I think if we'd won that game, it mm. would have been a, it'd have been about right. I thought because mm. we were we were good value, and when when it mattered, especially in that second half when it was now or never with the champions elect on the final day, then we did it. We actually we put in a performance, and we still didn't think it'd be quite enough. With because um, even if we were going to go into the last day ahead, we weren't going to get any points on the last day. With, we assumed mm. so, but we kept ourselves in it, and I suppose that was that was nice. We'd given ourselves an opportunity, and we were good that day. And there was loads of city fans went as well, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I think we yeah. both we'd, we'd, we'd filled out pretty much both tiers. And um, remember the John Oxley is innocent banner. <laughs> <laughs> that brings back some memories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God, you're going to have to remind me of that. No, I don't. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I c- so at the end of that game we'd drawn Newcastle had lost to Fulham unbelievably at home yeah what a gift that was and Middlesbrough had only got a draw with Aston Villa which meant they were all but down they could still overhaul 
uh, that, well they were they, they were all but down we were now the target for Newcastle and Middlesbrough for the last day because we were fourth mm. bottom Middlesbrough could only catch us on goal uh, on uh, points but they had a better worse goal difference they had to overturn a, a goal difference of four um, in the um, in the final game of the season they were going to go to West Ham on the last day Newcastle were at Aston Villa and of course we were at home to Manchester United so we're a point clear but everybody was saying given that there's absolutely no chance even with the Manchester United full of uh, side full of what Andy would term as actual children uh, in the team because they had the European Cup final coming up and an awful lot of their best players were being rested there was still no chance of us beating them whereas everyone still assumed that Newcastle could go to Aston Villa who were sixth um, at the time, and, and you know, in 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 a re- in had a had a good season. Martin O'Neill, I think, was their manager, wasn't he? He'd had a good season. There was still an assumption that Newcastle could somehow go to Villa Park and and get um, a point, or indeed um, a victory, because their goal difference was better than us. They were more likely to get a point than us, weren't they? And then we were it, playing the champions, and whatever weekend side they put out, it's still in bad, is it? I remember the um, reaction. It looks bad, though, doesn't it? I mean, who the bloody hell is Zed Tosic and our Possibon? They're like players generated by FIFA <laughs> for 10 seasons. And they both came on. I mean, Ben Amos and Corey Evans, future Hull City players, um, were on the bench for Manchester United that day, as indeed was future Premier League winner Danny Drinkwater, but they didn't get on. Uh, Ferguson brought on um, Eckersley, who did play a couple of more games for Man United mm. the following year, as I remember. Um, although he's, uh, his surname I always associated with the character played by Ray Burdis in Scum. Um, and then Posse Bon and Tosic came on in the last sort of 11 minutes. There. I know, I know. Um, but I mean, they're starting. They had Kushak in goal. Raphael was playing. Wes Brown was playing. Gary Neville, who was now in and out the side because he was getting on a bit, was playing. Darren Fletcher was playing because he'd been sent off in the Champions League semi-final and was banned um, for the final. Finals against Barcelona. Was it the one at Wembley? No, Rome. Rome was it? Les News. Because you remember things. there was a load of Man United fans like dressed as centurions. That friggin' nonsense. There was a. <laughs> there was a. Thank you. There was a teenage Danny Welbeck starting the game. Makeda started the game. He looked uh, for like he was Man United at the time, though. He did. Where after is that, he now? Italy, I think, isn't he? You so should know that. Rome, I don't know. And Darren Gibson. Darren, um, and I know that our erstwhile, uh, our erstwhile. Sorry, he's still alive. Our um, uh, esteemed friend Joe Atkinson doesn't like. Darren Gibson on the grounds that he spells his name with an O-N at the end My instead of an E-N. My with an O-N and he's a proper pons. Excellent. But he scored. Uh, uh, he scored, actually, we talk about last games of the season because they tend to be the ones you remember when you're reviewing a season as we've proved tonight. But Darren Gibson's goal was probably the best goal we saw at the KC yeah. all, studio, uh, all season, probably alongside Lampard's for Chelsea. It was a hell of a goal, wasn't it? And it just deflated every single person who wasn't associated with Manchester United completely. Yeah, it did. And City had been all right up to that point, but were not all, not all right at any point after that for the remainder of the game. And from, from a decent way out, it felt as though we were hoping that bad things would happen to Newcastle rather than good things would happen to City because mm. the former was more likely than than the latter um, granted it proved that way but ooh, I'm just grateful that Manchester in a way that it, it's gratifying that Manchester United couldn't be arsed after they scored we, um, they'd already won the Premier League title by then they still look more likely to, to increase the lead than City looked like to come back we yeah. had mm. Dawson sort of had a shot but 
Kushek moderately easily pushed over. He, you know, you, you would be astounded if he let that in. And beyond that, City really didn't test them. And yeah, it was, the depressing thing was, the longer the game went on, the less likely it looked that City would score. That Did it necessarily feel that it was really the more likely, though, that Newcastle would score? Because I think um, Damien Duff's own goal had gone in reasonably early enough in the game for us to know that we had a real opportunity here. And I remember we were, the roar around the ground when that was... I remember you know, the Manchester United fans singing Alan Shearer, what a difference you have made, because obviously they hate Shearer when he turned yeah. them down to go to Blackburn uh, instead. Eight of our playoff winning sides started this game rather than seven. Mm. Bambi started instead of Manucho. There were still Duke and Hughes and Folan now uh, on the bench. So again, Phil Brown was was looking back at his side that had got us up there in, in the first place, despite the splurge on, on other players um, that had occurred. Final whistle goes, our game's over, we know we've lost, but we still don't know what's happened at Villa Park because it was still playing. And if you remember, Phil Brown came onto the pitch uh, with everybody else and just at the point that it was announced if you watch it I mean we were all in the East End but when you watch it back on TV just at the point that the result was announced and everybody everybody's shoulders just sort of relaxed the camera pan round to Alex Ferguson with the biggest bloody smile on his face in the world he, he quite clearly um, he was pleased for the manager next to him obviously but I think he quite clearly wanted Newcastle to go down yeah Man United fans certainly seemed of that opinion as well it was amusing and, and and an incredible relief at the same time. It was brilliant to have not asked it up because it would have been so embarrassing after being so good. And not least since we, what we know now from reading Richie's book is just how bad our financial situation really would have been if we'd been relegated. Mm, I mean, that. no wonder Paul Duffin burst into tears on television after the game, but it, I don't think it was just the emotion of staying up. Yeah. There's quite clearly a lot more to it uh, than that. Phil Brown singing, Les. Uh, he got the bloody words wrong. <laughs> he did. That was the ridiculous... Let me go home, he sang, didn't he? In a way, there was, maybe he was deliberately changing the words because it was our final game of the season. We could now finally go home. I don't think there was any dynamic freestyling of, of lyrics. I there. think you're it right. Was, it, was a, it was a little bit frustrating. All right, we finished that season. 17th, which is the target for the start of the season. 35 points, 8 wins, only one of which occurred in the calendar year of 2009 up to that point. 8 wins, 11 draws, 19 defeats. We scored 39 goals, we conceded 64, so a goal difference of minus 25, 35 points. Newcastle went down on 34 and Middlesbrough and West Brom both on... Um, 32 so uh, we have recapped our first at Premier League season see we're a bit like that that woman in the London Marathon who sort of fell over four paces before the finishing line and sort of I would have likened us far more to the bloke dressed as Big Ben who couldn't quite get under the finishing line <laughs> I mean, I'm not quite sure the, how that analogy would work it would, it would have worked after the Bolton game because if we'd won the yeah. Bolton game we would have been safe Pretty much, yeah. Barring a barring a big barring a big turnaround, course. exactly, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. all right. So that was the two thousand eight two thousand nine season. This would appear to be the point where we say thank you for we, we look at the camera together oh, yeah. and say thank you for um, watching, listening to the podcast for this season. But Les, something else to add? Yeah, um, we've sort of made a decision that. After 21 years, it's time we sort of did something better with our Monday nights. And I don't mean watching Monday night football or any of that hemisexery, um, but we've made a decision that we, we're going to bring Amber Nectar to a close. So we're going to do one more podcast where we'll sort of look back on the last 21 years of Amber Nectar rising, and then that's going to be it. We're, we're not going to do anything anymore. We're not going to tweet 
We're not going to podcast. We're not going to things we think we thunk. <laughs> um, I just sort of feel it's time, and it's not because we've sort of been broken by the alums. I just think we've been broken by age. Yeah, exactly. Time is the fire in which we burn. Said. Um, Ooh, nice. The villain in Star Trek Generation. Oh God! I thought we'd done <laughs> Star Trek Three for the for no. this. Oh. No, and sort of, sort of bent we have. Um, time, 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 see what becomes of me. Okay, I mean, your hair doesn't look like it did at Watford in 2008 anymore. Good for and, that. Mm. Um, You've had quite a substantial shave since the last podcast. Yeah, but there's still a bit of salt and pepper there. Um, Pull FC beard. No, because there's much. ginger in it. <laughs> have you got anything to add? It's 21 years. I, I Andrew was 16 when all this I was started. Six, 16 when all this nonsense began. And Andrew was never 16. Um, we've just found time. Not, not, not necessarily that even our age, so much as we don't seem to have the, the time to do it properly. So there we go. We're going to go out on one final hurrah on Friday. We're going to drink yeah. as much as we know how, which is not... We're still quite good at that. You, is your personal best 65 in one weekend or I, something I like that? I really hmm. wish we hadn't waited until recently to drink during podcasts. Yeah, that's true. Apart from Matt being terrified that I'm going to libel someone mm. and having to write down edit points. Somebody's just asking if you're flogging all your shirts now. Why would I do that? Still, <laughs> no, I'm still going to write about polyester. So, all right, listen, we need to wrap this up. So let's just let's just make it clear. We're going to do one more podcast, roughly about this time uh, on Friday, and then um, then we're going to the pub. Something is about to appear right now on the Amber Nectar website at exactly the same time as we say this to um, to confirm all this. So. Um, Meanwhile, thank you yeah, for listening. Yeah, nobody, nobody's having them. Um, yeah, so does anybody fancy joining us for a beer in Avenues on Chance Have on Friday? Friday post podcast. Yeah, come and come and buy us a beer and talk about City because um, we are saying our farewell. discussion on these topics go to ambernectar.org where you'll also find match reports other articles and our ever lively forums you can also follow us on twitter at ambernectarhull the music was by Fila Brasilia